your sins and we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're doing our Fuel Up series. I apologize, we didn't pick a more green uh, title. We could have said, charge up, but that just sounds kind of angry and like, you know, aggressive. So we said, fuel up. And what it's really about is how we need to fuel up, like with our relational fuel. We all need relational fuel. And so think of like your weekly uh, trip to the gas station where you fill up your car. And maybe some of you, like you go in your car and it's just your routine. You look, you see how much gas you all have. That's not me. But <laughs> you look and you're like, okay, I, I, I have enough for the rest of the week. And you're just very conscientious and you're responsible. And then, you know, but if you are like me, you get in your car and you totally forget that you have these gauges in front of you that are, you know, there to help you drive and know when you run out of gas or not. And then when you go to the gas station, there are some of us who um, don't know how to fill up gas. It was kind of hard to learn. I'm not going to lie, right? And then there's some of us who really don't like to go and we're like, hey, sweetie, honey, love of my life, can you go to the gas station for me today? I need to go to work tomorrow. And then there's some of you who um, are like, um, you know what? I got a third of a tank left and I need to go to the gas station now because you never know what's going to happen. Like I might have to go to the ER and I don't want to have to stop in the middle of the night on my way to the ER to get gas. Right. And some of you are like, oh, the gas light went on. I can just go to the gas station tomorrow. Right. We all have different styles. And then some of you are like, um, oh, this is like the third time I ran out of gas this year. Right. I should get a gas container and leave it in my trunk or get a membership to a triple a you know and, and and here's the danger of this and if you don't get chevron tecron you might get gas that has sediments in it and when your gas gets too low in the tank there's these sediments that can like go through your fuel system and like your engine and it could you know, like you won't have high performance and you won't like it might damage your engine and if you think I know that, I didn't know. I just learned that. And my husband just told me. So if you have questions about that, ask Paul. But that's what could happen, right? We won't perform as well as we could because we all need to regularly fuel up. We all need to fuel up. So I'm talking about this literally. This is not a joke. Like literally look at your gas gauge when you go home today but also relationally. We need to fuel up regularly. And one of the most powerful ways that God fuels us is through his grace. It's, we, he fuels us with his grace and his truth, but like one of the most powerful things that God does is he fills us with his grace, and grace is just a gift from God. It's his unmerited favor. It's his, you know what, I love you, and I'm for you, and I am with you no matter what. Like, no matter what, he is with us, and he's for us, and he's cheering for us. And he always wants what's best for us. And God fuels us with his Holy Spirit and the word. And, like, the worship today was awesome. He fills us up with his worship and with prayer. But he also fuels up. He fuels us up with one another. Like, we need, right? Cots talked about this last week. We need one another. God created us to need one another. And I know I just said the word need, and you're like, what? And like 90% of you are like, need? Uh, no, I'm not listening. And you just shut things down, and your brain froze, and you're not listening. So come back to me. <laughs> okay, because need is not something that's bad. 
it's not something that makes you weak. It's not something to be ashamed of, but it's a good thing, right? We talked about last week how it's a very good thing that God created us to need one another, and it's a very, very good thing. And we don't like it because it sounds so needy, right? Or like, oh, it makes me needy. Or like, you know, we're Asian, and like, I saw the farewell, and that was so me, because it's like, I don't want to tell people I have problems, because then they're going to feel bad, and it's going to cause them stress. And so like, we don't, we go, all right, let's deal with it on our own, right? We're just going to deal with it on our own. Or like, you know, we're, we're Western, and we're like, we need to be self-sufficient and we're going to handle this on our own, right? No, God created this needs meeting system where we need one another, where we give God's grace to one another and we receive God's grace from one another. And I have to tell you, Westlight Strength, you guys are like the best grace givers ever like you know how to give and be there with people like no you know how to fuel up people like this is the most let people come and visit and they're like man your church is so warm and friendly like you guys are really good at giving grace and i think one of the ways that maybe we could grow is to learn how to receive god's grace if we can be as good as we are at receiving God's grace as we are giving God's grace, then we will be like, ah, oh, fuel that. And we will, be, we will be able to experience heaven together in so many more different ways. And so what does God's grace look like? If we could ask the ushers to pass out those cards that we have like 500 of, take, give everybody three. Because uh, you're going to need it. No, I'm just kidding. We have like... 500 of them. So everyone get a card. Get your three cards. And God's grace looks like quadrant one. And it's being present with one another. And this is another thing. It's a real thing. Just like Fast and Furious. God's grace looks like nitrous. Can we go to the nitrous? Nitrous in your car makes your car perform better. It makes it go faster. Like, it makes it go, it's way high performing. Don't get this, young kids. Don't even think about it. But it's really good. And I feel like quadrant one is so important that this quadrant one is nitrous. It makes us perform better. It enhances the way we live. It enhances the way we receive the fuel from quadrant two and three and four. Because when we know we're accepted and we're loved and we're valued for who we are no matter what, then we can receive per people's encouragement. Then we can receive people's truth. And we could receive people's call to action. Like quadrant one is the nitrous. And presence is so powerful. I love Bob Goff's um, quote. He says, next to grace, I bet God thinks making us need each other was one of the best, one of his best ideas. Because when we need each other, when we, we're not just doing life side by side. When we are like need each other, we're called and we're invited into this deep relationship where we can just connect with one another and we can actually be present with one another. And so I'm going to show you a short video. Um, it's Brene Brown's video on empathy. And it talks about how we can be present one with one another. And since you guys are, like, so good at, like, giving out the grace and everything, like, you don't have to pay attention to the bear. Because you guys are, like, bears. You are bears, bulls, cats. You guys are awesome at that. What I want you to do is, as we watch this video, is to pay attention to the fox. 
So what is empathy and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. <laughs> Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh uh-huh. No, you want a sandwich? Um, Empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. At least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. (laughs) John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. (laughs) So we're the fox, right? Sometimes we don't even, like, realize that we're stuck in the dark, that we're overwhelmed. And we might say, well, you know what? It's, we're not that stuck. I'm not that. It's not that dark here, and I'm not that overwhelmed. And we rarely uh, invite people in down to come down in the hole with us, right? And I feel like a lot of us, we, we try and deal with it on our own, and we pray, and we're like, God, help us. You know, help me. I'm feeling dark. And then we start to climb out of the hole, and then we tell our friends, like, you know what? Last month was kind of hard for me. But God is like, oh, I want to pour out my grace on you. Like when you're in the hole. I want you to know that when you're in that dark place and you feel stuck and overwhelmed, that you don't have to be alone, that I am with you. And I want my people, you know, to be their, the means who are my means of grace. I want them to pour out my grace on you so you know that you are not alone, that you don't have to be in that dark place by yourself. And so even Paul, you know, but it takes vulnerability, right? You have to, like, tell someone. You have to let them know you're in that, 
you're stuck and then you're in that dark place. And, and even the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, who wrote all the letters of the New Testament, he was in a dark place. He was overwhelmed and he was stuck in prison. And so we're going to look at Philippians 3, 10 through 11. And Philippians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church. It's a church that he started and he just absolutely loved and they loved him. And so he wrote this. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Because like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection, and so becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul wasn't saying, I just love suffering for Jesus. He wasn't like Anna, like, oh, let me do it. I love it. Paul was being vulnerable, and he felt like death was his best hope in his suffering. He was feeling defeated. He was losing hope because of his circumstances. He was isolated. He was in prison. And we can't underestimate how hard it was for Paul knowing that the Roman soldiers had the power to decide what to do to him, maybe even kill him, and decide when to do it. Like that sense of helplessness and lack of control and fear is incredibly overwhelming and terrifying. And so Paul is in prison, and he's feeling all this, And he's thinking death is his best hope. But he's the same guy who wrote this in Philippians 4, 12 through 13. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. How did this guy, this, you know, pillar of our faith, go from despair and wanting to die to saying, no, I can do all things through him who gives me strength? And I believe the answer is God, he strengthened Paul through the spirit, through his word, through worship and prayer. And I think, I believe that he did it also through his through the churches and his support and his friends. But today we're specifically going to look at Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy was one of Paul's closest co-workers. Um, Paul was Timothy's mentor. He was this young man who had a Greek father and a Jewish mother. He was known to be shy and nervous and unsure of himself. And Philippians 2, Paul writes this about about Timothy. He said, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. So he wants to send him to Philippi. Um, So I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine care for your welfare. No one else like him. For everyone looks out of their, for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. 
So the church knew Timothy, but I love how Paul highlighted this characteristic of how Timothy genuinely would care for them, that he's going to go to them, and he's going to just care for them. He's not going to look out for his own interests, but he's like Christ in that way. He's like Paul in that way, where he genuinely cares and wants what's best for them. He's for them. And I imagine, you know, Timothy serving Paul food in jail while he's in prison. I imagine him, like, writing, you know, they used to write together, write letters. And, and Paul knew about Timothy's, this characteristic of Timothy, because he experienced it. He witnessed and he experienced it firsthand. That when Paul is feeling all of this stuff, you know, like despair and hope, that Timothy's presence is with him, and it means so much to him. And presence, it doesn't require a lot of words. It doesn't require knowing exactly, just like in the movie, I mean, the film that we watch. It doesn't, it's just that warmth of knowing that someone is with you and for you. It's in the eye contact. It's in, in that you just know that that person is, is for you and not for themselves. And that's, I think, what the presence, the power of Timothy's presence was for Paul. And it's, it's interesting because you think, well, you know, how can that be? Because Timothy, you know, they grew up in different cultures and he was younger. But, like, that love and care and grace of God that he gives, it overcomes those cultural and age differences. The power of presence is so strong and so it's how God um, pours out his grace on us. Epaphroditus, he was the leader of the church in Philippi, and he visited Paul, and he brought um, uh, encouragement from the church to Paul, and they brought a monetary gift. And so he traveled all the way to visit Paul in prison, and it was so dangerous, and it was so like difficult that, that he got sick, and he almost died. And so Paul writes this in Philippians two twenty five through 27. But I think it is necessary to send back to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier who was also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill indeed he was ill and almost died but God had mercy on him and on him and not on him only but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow you see Paul describes Epaphroditus as my brother and my fellow worker or my fellow soldier and even with them there are these clear cultural and racial divides right Epaphroditus is Greek and 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 Paul grew up as a, a Jew that that they had different ways of growing up different ways of seeing the world and yet they still were like brothers and co-workers and fellow soldiers I can imagine how, you know, Epaphroditus comes and he's sick and he's almost dying, you know. But, but as he gets better, he tells Paul about what's going on in the church in Philippi. And he's like, you know what? Those, uh, I can't say their names, Euodia and Syntyche, they're still fighting, right? And Paul's like, oh, no, because, you know, he talks about them in chapter 4, and he's like, oh, no, they're still fighting. Yeah, they're still holding their grudge. They won't let go. And then Paul, I can imagine him just, like, sharing his frustration and his anxiety, thinking about, well, what's going to happen to the church? Like, they're, how is this affecting the church? And just talking, and, and Epaphroditus is like, yeah, I identify with that. Like, yeah, that's a valid reason. And he's empathizing. He's just with Paul in this dark space. And he's, he sees him, and he's with him, and he's like pours out God's grace on him. 
And he does it in such a way, his presence is so powerful that like later on in chapter 4, Paul is able to tell them, like, hey, <laughs> Yodia and Syntyche, I think that's how you say it, take on the humbleness of Christ. Right? That's all what Philippians is about. And he tells them in chapter 4 to iron out their differences and to not hold grudges anymore. Like he's able to encourage his church that he loves so much because he's been fueled by the presence of Timothy and Epaphroditus and the encouragement that he received from the messages from the people of the church in Philippi. And so I think that, yes, God, he speaks to us through his spirit. Yes, he pours out his grace in his word and in worship and prayer, but he also does it through, one, through, through us. We need one another. I don't think this close relationship that Timothy and Epaphroditus had with Paul could have been done if they weren't present with each other, if they weren't able to be there for one another. They would have just been two co-workers working side by side, right? Timothy, you do your thing, and Paul, I'll do my thing, and, you know, we'll just, you, you know, we'll be self-sufficient. It wasn't like that. They were deeply connected. They loved each other, right? Paul was like, man, he would have been horrified. It would have been so hard if Epaphroditus had passed away, right? Sorrow upon sorrow. And so Paul was fueled by Timothy and Epaphroditus by their presence and by God's grace pouring out among him in the presence of Timothy and Epaphroditus. And even the great apostle Paul needed friends. So we all need to fuel up. And this week I want to encourage us to do three things. I want to encourage us to read Quadrant 1 and just become familiar with what God's grace looks like. This is what God's grace looks like. So let's... Like, Take those three cards home. Leave one in every room in your house. Grab more. Put them wherever. In the kitchen, living room, den, dining table, everywhere. And just become familiar of what, how, what God's grace looks like. And then pay attention. Like, try to gauge your capacity, right? Be like that person who gets in the car and says, how much gas do I have? And think about, like, you know, am I running low? Am I full? And think about how can you tell, right? We're all different. How can you tell if you're, if you're full or not? How can you tell, like, if you need fuel? Like, for some of us, it might be we're tired and we're grouchy. Maybe when we're full, we feel energized. We feel creative. We feel innovative. Or maybe we just know because we're just tired all the time. Like, we need fuel. I know for me, I always get, like, Ah, <laughs> I'll walk around the house. Ah, I gotta do this all by myself, and I just get really grouchy, right? And so think about like we might just think we're tired, but we're like, oh, maybe take it to the next step. Like maybe we need fuel. And then third, ask the spirit, like, what kind of fuel do I need? Do you find you know yourself sometimes feeling like? Your value comes from how effective and productive and how you perform. Or do you feel like you're accepted no matter what? Do you feel like you need to be perfect? Do you feel like sometimes you're alone and no one understands you? Do you feel like you don't belong and no one gets you? 
at work, maybe you feel stuck and overwhelmed and you're like, I need a new position, but I don't know if anyone's going to hire me and I need fuel to, I need people around me to help me get to that next level, to get me out of my job and to a new one. We all need to fuel up. And it's not just like this one time trip to the gas station. It's this regular, right? We had to fill up our cars every week and we had to do the same thing for us. We have to acknowledge that we have needs. We have to be able to be willing to talk about it and then be willing to ask people to help us. And it takes vulnerability. We can't underestimate how hard this is. And I wish it was easy. I wish it was, you know, yeah, just, it's just like going to the gas station. It takes a few minutes. It's so easy. You know, it's not like that. I wish it was not a process, but it's such a process that we need to learn and practice and get good at. It's awkward and it's messy. And I'm not going to lie. There are times that I'm like, I need to ask. I'm like, okay, I can't just wait around for people to fuel me up. I need to go ask. And then I'll ask a friend to fuel me up. I'll be like, hey, I need some comfort. I need some, like, acceptance. And then they're like the reindeer. And they're like, well, at least, right? Or you should do this. And I'm not going to lie. I come, I, like, leave. And I'm like, that. I had a little bit of fuel, but I'm totally depleted now. <laughs> right? You're just hurt and you're disappointed. Because you're like, that is not, that's the last thing I needed. It's hard and it hurts. And then I start thinking, I'd rather deal with my anxiety by myself. I'd rather just, I can be self-sufficient, I can do it. Me and God. You know, people in Paul's time, they lived in a lot of anxiety. And it was really a way of life, right? All the gods and goddesses, they, they had this potential to punish you at any time. And all the philosophers during that time would say, you know how you can be happy in all your circumstances? It's by self-sufficiency. Like, take whatever energy you have within you and do it by yourself. But Paul teaches us that contentment, it comes from Jesus. And that God wants to pour out his grace upon us. And that isolation, it can be so harmful, especially in, during times of stress. It can, we can lose energy and focus and drive. But God is like, he's for us and he loves us. And he's like, you know what? I want you to experience my grace for you. I want you to experience my presence. And I want you to experience my grace through the presence of others. And so he's inviting, he's inviting us to fuel up. He wants to fuel us up with his grace, with the power of presence, so that we can say, like Paul said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And so we're going to spend some time in worship. And if you find emotions surfacing, or if you feel like, I don't know what's going on, and um, you want, you need, you feel like, I want to be vulnerable, but it's really hard, then I invite you to go to the back of the auditorium during the last two, three songs and just find someone on the prayer team. They have a name tag, a prayer tag, and just ask them to pray for you. It takes so much courage, but it's so worth it. They're safe people. They're not going to judge you or criticize you. They just want to be with you. And they just want to listen with you. And they just want to pray with you.
You don't even have to know what you want to pray for. If you know, like, I don't even know. I looked at the quadrant. and I don't know what's going on. It doesn't even matter. They just want to be present with you. They want to be God's means of grace. So let's stand. And my prayer is that as we have this time of worship, that we be fueled up in the presence of the one who loves us and the one who is for us. The one who created us to need one another so that we can be fueled up by one another.